0: Greetings, adventures, and welcome to g &G Cast.
1: Welcome everyone to Good Night and Good Game, your geek news roundup for the week that was. I'm your host James, and with me this week as always is my co-host Hector. Hello. This week on the show, after the news, it's time for us to finally dive into the Disney Plus series, Moon Knight. Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. With all that out of the way, it's time for the Prelude.
0: Prelude.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to The Prelude. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy.
0: Hmm. Hector, what do you have for me this week? Um, watching not so much. I've been kind of, uh, I'm catching up on Grey's Anatomy lately. Uh, that's been great. That's just kind of a comfort blanket of a yeah, show That's for been a me.
1: roller coaster. Yeah, no kidding.
0: <laughs> uh, but, but it's always familiar. It's been there since like 2008. Right. So I'm just like still watching it. Um, I started rewatching Lego Masters. I just... Yeah, there's something about that show that just makes me so happy watching them, like, come up with a design and build something off Mm -hmm. of, like, a 12-hour prompt that's just so magnificent, you know? If you've
1: never seen Lego Masters, it's on Hulu. Yeah. Um, It is a Lego building competition show where literally just... People come in as teams, sometimes couples, sometimes friends, and they'll be like, here, make... landscape and they have to sit down and architecture this whole thing over like 12 hours and the stuff that comes out of this show is just so gorgeous and brilliant and yeah, makes me look at like my piddly little Legos and go like I can't do that. Yeah. Like when I was a kid and I played with Legos I would be like I could build a castle because mm-hmm. I have no imagination. <laughs> like so yeah, some of the stuff they pull off on Lego Masters, absolutely brilliant, absolutely gorgeous. Highly recommend, very wholesome show.
0: Very wholesome show. Will Arnett is the host and he's hilarious. They mm-hmm. have like actual Lego brickmasters, people who work for Lego designing them, designing sets, are the judges of the show. They bring in people who basically auditioned and showed off some of their other builds and um yeah, they come in and they're given a prompt and they just have to go. And you yeah. most of the show is spent watching them build these things yeah. and then having to meet a challenge, like oh, it's going to be on a table that shakes, so build it really strong or something like mm. that. Or we're going to blow it up at the end. Design it so it'll burst apart. Like it's great, wonderful show. As far as playing, there is one new game I want to talk about. All right, um, Stunlock Studios, who were originally responsible for Battle right, mm-hmm. have made a, has released into early access their game called V Rising. Now, V Rising is a a top-down, you could almost call it an action RPG like Diablo, um, but it is a survival game, meaning you gather resources by, you know, chopping trees down, you know, mining rocks, uh, getting different materials and turning them into more things. The conceit of this game is that you are a vampire. And you start by waking up in a tomb and moving out into the world, a world that the vampires once, you know, owned wholesale. And then, you know, we're pushed into the darkness and away Mm -hmm. and asleep for like a thousand years. So you get up and you're like, oh, okay, I want to build myself a little fort to keep the sun out during the day Mm -hmm. because there is a day night cycle in this game and the sun does cook you. But uh, you can hide in the shadows of trees and stuff like that. So it's not just like a death sentence to be out during the day, but it does make traversal very unpleasant and very sketch, especially if you get into any fighting. Right. Now, the fighting is where this game really shines. All the building are very, like... It, it's very cool because it's all vampire-themed. And there's stuff right. like altars of blood that will lead you to the next boss, and that's how you get your new like character ability, like mm-hmm. a new spell or a new uh, thing that you can build that you learn from these bosses... But the, um, the combat really shines because it's almost entirely based off of their last game, Battle Rite. Mm-hmm. And Battle right had the exact same perspective and when it was one of the... That
1: Diablo-esque perspective? Yes. And
0: yeah. was one of the best fighting games I ever played in my life. And I don't mean fighting in the way that, like, you fight in Street Fighter. I mean fighting in the way that, like, you might fight in Dota. Right where it's all about positioning and using your abilities correctly Mm -hmm. and like ambushing characters and ganging up on characters and you could do this 2v2, 3v3 or 1v1 and the action was tight it was fast paced and it had a lot of interesting variety and the mechanics were rock solid especially for a keyboard and mouse game where you usually don't get a lot of feedback through things like rumble Mm -hmm. so it's all based on like sound cues and it's yeah that game was mechanically it was immaculate and they brought that into this game so when you're fighting things out in the world when you're fighting other vampires that might be out in the world that might want to take your shit Mm -hmm. uh when you're fighting a bunch of bosses that they've designed apparently there's like 36 so far and the game's only in early access wow um the the combat feels great which is awesome because that's what you do during the day you're kind of like gathering resources and building your base and at night when you can travel freely now you're on the hunt because you might not be able to build certain things yet, like whetstones or cloth, right. but you can go out to like a, a raider pack and like raid their camp, mm-hmm. or you can like go into the mines and like kill a foreman who's a boss. And uh, in the chests that they have are all the things that you might need and can't build yet, so you can start to work. That's cool on the stuff in your base during the day, and yeah, it just gives you that cycle. One of the most interesting parts is the vampire part because anything humanoid, anything that's basically not a skeleton, mm-hmm. um, you can feed on with large beasts like wolves, um, rats, humans, of course, and even bosses. Right. Now, the thing is every time you eat something they're a type of blood that'll give you a set of buffs so like a a, a warrior's blood is different from brute's blood is different Mm -hmm. from rogue's blood is different from beast blood and the quality also varies you could get like 7% beast blood or like 50% brute blood and they like they all have a list of like five buffs Mm -hmm. and depending on the percentage is how much you get Mm -hmm. so even if you got like a really great blood you use blood to do everything to heal yourself It just Mm -hmm. depends pleats over time. So you kind of always have to be feeding on something and there's a lot of trade off there. Anyway, there's a lot of deep systems and the game is very fun and very polished already, especially for an early access game. I can't recommend it enough. I've already put like 20 hours into it and it's only been out like two days. Mm -hmm. And it's a survival game and I don't play survival games. I don't like them.
1: I don't, I don't like them either, and you have completely sold me on them. Yeah,
0: game. this game is super cool. Play it with friends, build a castle together, uh, you know, go out and raid, kill bosses for cool abilities, mix and match them. There's a skill tree that looks like vanilla WoW. That like you can customize your abilities. From. That's cool. It's huge. Um, yeah, so uh, it's only twenty bucks if you want to get into the early access of it. Like I said, it's very polished. There's not a lot of like early access. I
1: have heard it's game. got a lot of people playing it right now. Yes,
0: it absolutely does. It's getting big views on Twitch, and people are really liking it. And I really wish the studio all the best because while I feel like Battle Right was mismanaged. Um, they're a studio that made a game and everyone makes mistakes and right. because of how good their game was and how much I loved it, I really wish them a second chance. So I hope this is it. Awesome.
1: Uh, over on my side of the world, what I've been up, been up to this week, quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I got drunk last weekend and got a Crunchyroll subscription because I, yeah. I wanted to watch Persona 5, the animation. Um, I, For those of you who may know me personally, I have not watched anime in a very long time. I mm-hmm. used to be a very hardcore weeb. I used to be super into anime. Um, I got a job at one point writing about anime. Um yeah, my, a lot of my backstory is tied to anime, but I just it it just fell out of my life at some point. Yeah, And so I was like, but I want to watch Persona 5. I was needing a Persona fix, and I didn't want to replay Persona 5 because that's like 100 hours. Yeah, so I was is. like, I'll watch the animation. That'll be great. And so I decided like, hey, I'm going to kind of go, now that I'm done with Persona 5, I'll check something else out. And I'm not doing anything modern. Like, nobody recommend like Naruto or One Piece or
0: something to me. You, um, te- you said modern. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's still going, so. Yeah, that's true. They, um, they're...
1: You know, so I dived into the back catalog of stuff that I always wanted to watch, we never did, so I started mm-hmm. Helsing Ultimate. Yeah, I was a big fan of the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the first episode of Ultimate when it came out, but I did not like not having the music in oh, the original.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Um, so I'm not all the way through it. I'm only like three or four episodes in, and I'm taking it very slow. I haven't decided if I'm going to keep my, my Crunchyroll account or not. I have to find some anime that will... Intrigue me, and it? the problem is a lot of the stuff that I like—horror and big robots—are mm-hmm. kind of out of fashion right now. A
0: little bit, yeah. There's a lot of slice of life stuff going on, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of hard for me.
1: Um, but yeah, I watched those. Uh, I've been playing Langreaser on the Switch. I will not bore you with me playing a strategy RPG on the Switch. <laughs> um, I did pick up a new Switch game once I finished Landgreaser. I do want to talk about, and that is Record of Lotus War: Deedlit in Wonder Labyrinth. Yeah, this is a hell of a name. Um, but this kind of harkens back to the fact that I love old school anime. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen record of lotus war before it is a anime from the late 80s early 90s yep. um it actually originally cre- was created uh based around i know you got a lot of people out there who are critical role fans mm-hmm. um in critical role obviously is a show where people play DD. record of lotus war was like the first of those okay it was a group of japanese people who picked up the D books from in the western world and basically took their campaign and made it into an anime Wow, and it's one of the most gorgeous, haunting, amazing. It, it's 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 an OAV series, so it's very short. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so. But that
0: means the animation is great, right? Because right. they took High the time to like, animation. yeah, put in the money.
1: Yeah, you look at the dragons and and just everything in, in Record of Lotus War,
0: but. Um, I was
1: looking for a new game after Langreaser and I wanted something for my Switch so I could play it on the couch while I'm hanging out, chilling. And uh, I remembered watching this B run at Games Done Quick.
0: Yeah, that was and a great run too. The,
1: the recommendation of it was if you love games like Symphony of the Night, Metroidvanias, mm-hmm. please, please, please pick this up. And so I decided to give it a shot. It was only like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, gotta be, I gotta be the one to tell you, if you love Symphony of the Night, even if you have never watched this anime, you are sleeping on this game. Yeah. Because it does rip off Symphony of the Night in all of the best ways. Oh, I like, like that. that. The movement, good. the backdash, mm-hmm. the everything. Except for if you know anything about Lotus War and Deedlet specifically, it's that she, her big thing as a high elf is that she can uh, work with and control spirits. Gotcha. That becomes very much a mechanic in the early game. You are given a wind spirit right at the beginning. And the wind spirit allows you to hover in place and attack and do everything just hovering in place. Or you can use it to glide across chas- uh, chasms. You also use this for puzzles very quickly after that you pick up the fire spirit and that allows you to do certain things with the fire spirit and like everything is tethered to these spirits that you kind of manipulate as you play the game adding a different element um, it is fascinating and fun and and I recommend it if you're just looking for a good gameplay experience, if you're if you wanted to scratch that Symphony of the Night itch, you may not get all of the story because the story does take place after Record of Lotus War and a lot of the characters have theoretically died. Mm-hmm. And so part of the story is her trying to understand why she's seeing her friends and more specifically the love of her life and trying to reach them and figure out what's happening. Okay. Um, So there's a little bit of backstory there, but if you're looking for for a pure Symphony that I experience that really harkens back to it, I cannot recommend this game enough. It is absolutely fantastic. Last thing I'll talk about, just real quick, uh, before we wrap up, yesterday was my birthday. Yes, it was. And you came over, Mm -hmm. and you made drinks for me. Yep. And... (laughs) Uh, You let me pick a movie that's on my to-do list. I have Mm -hmm. a very large to-do list for movies. Uh, I chose a movie from 2011 called Attack the Block. Oh, yeah. If you've never seen Attack the Block, Hector describe this for them.
0: Okay, so Attack the Block is a British movie from 2011 uh, by a first-time writer-director. You can... uh, you know what? No, I'm going to take that back. You really can't see the movie's budget when you watch it. You had, it, no. it's it, it's a the premise of the movie is there are these kids who are in a low income area, it, you know, in London, and they call it the block. They basically they're block sections of public housing, the, what you would call the projects in a place like Baltimore mm-hmm. or uh, Brooklyn or places like that. And I'm thinking of mostly America and like the early 2000s and late 90s and 80s, right? right? So Project Housing, where mostly, you know, people living at or below the poverty line live, and they're out doing mischief. They're out doing rat kid shit, you know, mm-hmm. and, you, uh, and they uh, discover a um, something falls out of the sky mm-hmm. and uh, attacks one of them, and in their gangster bravado, they decide to kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then more things fall out of the sky that turn out to be horrifyingly scary. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so monsters fall out of the sky and they spend the rest of the movie reckoning with these monsters that are falling out of the sky.
1: And that is the surface level mm-hmm. of what this movie is. Yeah, the, and the basic re- plot. The reason I want to bring this up without any spoilers is that if you haven't seen it, you should. This movie, for whatever fucking reason has some of the most brilliant social commentary Mm -hmm. of a movie I've seen in a long time. When I think about things like this, I think about movies like Get Out, where the message is very apparent from the forefront. We go only about 30 minutes of Get Out before it's like, by the way, racism, y'all. Whereas Attack the Block will be these just 30 minutes of action and in adventure and aliens and these kids trying to survive. And, and John Boyeg is the main character, by the way, is one of his early roles. Yep. Uh, Joey Whitaker, who is, was, or is the current doctor is in this. Mm-hmm. And at some point after 30 minutes, two characters will just be talking to each other and then say the most, like it, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like, they just spout oh, philosophy yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah.
0: You, you you'll get very profound remarks from like very young actors about uh, you know uh, poverty and um, you know the upstairs downstairs uh, nature of uh, the kids who live in the block versus the adults and the 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 browner ones versus the whiter ones and. How our poverty means that not only is it okay that we suffer, but also that we'll get blamed for anything that goes wrong around us. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's, uh, layers and layers of social commentary happening in so much of the dialogue, all coming from a cast of characters that is, uh, uh, from the beginning of the movie, obviously very young. Yeah.
1: And so it's a fantastic movie. One of the things I'll say about it that, that I found fascinating is as soon as I got done watching the movie, I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to watch YouTube videos about yep. this. And one of them was actually only filmed a couple of years ago. And it's going back to all the actors and them talking about the movie mm. and because they all want a sequel. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they said in there was the writer director uh, went to local like uh, lower income areas mm-hmm. and actually interviewed with kids. Uh. And basically he had like 10 or 12 scenes for the movie and he would be like, all right, this is the situation. What would your, for you and your friends say in this situation? And a lot of that dialogue came from them talking about how they would act, what they would do, the things. And so that's why there's so much of the movie yeah. feels so organic. It does.
0: It feels authentic, like, yeah. like incredibly authentic to like the, their ages, to their reactions to things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so it, it is very British, and mm-hmm. I want to throw that out there. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of slang. There's a lot of you know adjusting for the fact that mm-hmm. the movie doesn't hold back on how fast it talks. You just got yeah. you got to catch up. Um, but it is brilliant. It is fun. And I wish people, more people would see this movie mm-hmm. and talk about it because it does deserve to be talked
0: about. Yeah, no, Absolutely, it does. Yeah, absolute classic from uh, over 10 years ago that a lot of people didn't see. So if, if you could, it's it's on Amazon. It's on Prime. If you want to grab it, uh, it's available. It's like a
1: four-buck rental or something. Yeah. Like I just
0: bought it because I was just like, I'm going to watch yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's worth watching over and over again. Um, so, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah.
1: That is everything that we have for the Prelude this week. We're going to take a small break. And when we come back on the other side, we'll be going into the news in the Weekly Raid. The Weekly Raid. Hey, everyone. This is the Weekly Raid, our news highlights for the week. It's going to be a week of weird news and hot takes from around the globe. Mm -hmm. So strap into this. First up, Marvel has signed an agreement that allows them to license the name and likeness of Stan Lee for films, TV, theme parks, and, quote, various experiences for the next 20 years. Now, normally, I would find
0: this thing kind of gross, right?
1: But I actually think this is what Stanley would want.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, we we've seen some of this before, uh, mostly coming out of Disney, you know, like with uh uh, uh I, I want to call her Carrie Russell with mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. and um you know the 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 amazing actor that played Grand Moff Tarkin coming back for Rogue One, even yeah. though he'd been dead for quite a while. And we get a lot of mixed reactions to it. And so there's a, like, well, is this going too far kind of scenario with it? But you're absolutely right. When I think about Stan Lee, Mm -hmm. like, I think about a guy who would love it if there was a big statue of him that spoke to people outside of Marvel World. Absolutely. You know, and, like, kids would walk up and hug it and stuff like that. If you were, like,
1: Stan Lee... Can we just, like, put you on a T-shirt? Can we throw you on a cereal box? Can yeah. we do it? And he'd be like, yeah, 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 please.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I give people hope and comfort and and inspiration to follow their dreams, then yes. Yeah. And, yeah, I honestly feel like this is ex- exactly the type of thing he would want.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to, to kind of that point, not to make it personal, but, like... Um, we know that at the at least Anaheim place uh, in Disneyland, uh, there's you know a statue to Stanley or some tributes to Stanley out there uh, for work. Over uh, a few months ago, I had to make a trip to Florida to Orlando to do a big work convention, mm-hmm. and I asked my coworkers, like, you know, what do you want to do while you're there when once we're off work? And a lot of them wanted to go see the Harry Potter World because they had grown up yeah. with the books, and mm-hmm. you know, J- understandable. J- J- J.K.B. Damned, they wanted to just be be kids for a minute. And yeah, said, death of the I, author, like, goddamn yeah. it.
0: That's my childhood, not hers.
1: Right, and I said, fuck it, let's go, we do it. And it was so great to watch my coworkers basically turn into giant kids and just in awe. I mean, I was in awe of the place, but. Compared to the, the, what they saw, mm-hmm. it was a different level. And this next year, Anaheim is going to be our location. Mm-hmm. And like I talked to all my coworkers who are all getting excited for next year's event. And I was like, look, the way that you guys looked and felt when you went to go see Harry Potter World... We are going to walk into Marvel world and you are going to see me turn into this Oh because yeah. this was my child. Oh yeah. I will be a big kid. I might cry a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's going to be amazing because I just want to lose myself in the experience for a day. And that's the kind of shit that Stanley wanted. He wanted to evoke that kind of emotion. And so if, yeah, he got a 20 year deal to have his likeness put on everything. Yeah. I think that would make him happy.
0: I do too. Yeah, honestly,
1: let's get into some quick fire CW show news. <laughs> I told you this week in news is wild, y'all, so let's go. Legends of Tomorrow, canceled. Riverdale will get a season seven to wrap things up and then it is over. Supernatural is going to attempt a prequel series about the Winchester's parents. Batwoman canceled. A new show called Gotham Knights that is not set in the Arrowverse will be coming out. Okay. Gotham Knights takes place after the death of Bruce Wayne and follows his adopted son who teams up with the children of some of Batman's villains after they have been framed for the death of Bruce. Is this
0: show a tie-in to the video game being released of the same name? It has nothing to do with it.
1: Other than the premise that Bruce Wayne is dead. Everything else
0: has nothing to do with it. Okay. I mean, you know what, CW? at, At least you're using your license. You know what? You're fucking trying. And, I mean, yeah. Throw spaghetti at the wall. I
1: just, like... I think about it, and we've been kind of happy, in air quotes, that a lot of the CW DC shows have been getting canceled because they've become kind of like long in the tooth about it. Yeah. right. Uh, like the Flash could have really used to wrap up at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Arrow has wrapped. Legends of Tomorrow was the one that I was just like, keep this going, please. Yeah. Because Legends of Tomorrow became its own thing. Mm-hmm. It stopped relying on the rest of the DC shows. Yeah.
0: And I loved all of those actors. Yeah. And I loved what they were doing. They're doing
1: a full like save Legends of Tomorrow campaign right Good. now. Good.
0: Good. That show deserves deserves more.
1: It does. The first season is rough, y'all, but if you want a wholesome, fun show, God, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah,
0: dealing with like just nonsense superheroes in nonsense time-traveling, universe-hopping scenarios, fighting everything... Fourth wall breaking. Fourth wall breaking, fighting everything from demons to robots to Two giant robots Furbies. and giant Furbies, sometimes helped by giant Furbies, Furby. against... Ancient demons. Um, Yeah. Yeah, this is starting to sound like a Riverdale plot. It really is starting to sound like a Riverdale plot. (laughs) But um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, Legends of Tomorrow is great. It it really Um,
1: is. Yeah, so Gotham Knights sounds weird as fuck, and unless they do something really amazing, I think it's going to bomb pretty spectacularly. Yeah. Uh, By the way, for the Supernatural news, if you've never been a fan or haven't followed Supernatural, they've tried, like, minimum ten times to spin this show off, Mm -hmm. and it just hasn't worked. Yeah. So doing something about the Winchester's parents before the kids were born, like... I don't know.
0: I don't know. They man. never got me to watch Supernatural the first time. Isn't that show like twenty seasons long? It's uh
1: like fifteen or something. Okay. Like I I, I it's, know it's it like ridiculously It's near
0: gray's level of like yeah. length
1: of it. Uh Riverdale being cancelled, at least what they did. So so the funny part about this is that Riverdale got its six season order just mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. And then like two weeks later they go, All right, guys, we're giving you a season seven, but like that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that maybe the 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 accidental murder by spider sex was a, <laughs> too much. A, a, was a bridge too far for this? By CW. the way, if you've
1: never watched Riverdale, you probably should. It's yeah, a fucking wild ride.
0: Okay, so let me describe like uh, well. Okay, so all I can say is that the show started very normal. and It was kind of like Archie and Friends for adults. Yeah, Archie, you know, and friends in Riverdale, but, like, it's really, like, sexy and also really dark. Like, Archie sleeping with his teacher. Mm. Betty and Veronica are super hot, and they make out when they do cheerleader tryouts. Like, mm. it was, you know, all like, okay, this is where we're going with Archie. You know, it's a little trashy, but I like a little trashy. Yeah. I miss all of our trashy TV. Bring back True Blood. Yeah. But, um... They're trying, by the way. Oh, Good. But uh, so the, the show, like I said, starts very normal. The whole first season is basically a murder mystery. Yeah. And that's cool. And then, you know, not too long later, there were fucking demons and aliens. There's a and cult based around
1: cults. D&D. Yeah. Uh,
0: um, the, 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 what, I mean, it started with the crazy crime stuff. Like Veronica's father bought the whole town and was also <laughs> like had gangs. And she bought a speakeasy and built it under Pop's diner. <laughs> Uh,
1: Archie goes to jail at one point and joins an underground fight club. The yep. show is weird, y'all. Like it's worth watching for the fucking weirdness mm-hmm. of it. And I seriously need to catch up. Yeah. So yeah, see that was so much CW news. I like. I just have to put it all in here because it's so bizarre. One of the more normal things, weirdly, to come out of this week was uh, we found out that Black Mirror is finally coming back for season six nice. after being on break since 2019. Mm-hmm. Now we've been told that the new season will have more episodes than Season 5. However, Season 6 will be, quote, more cinematic in scope... With episodes being more so the length of films.
0: Okay, that sounds cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm down for this. Mm-hmm. Now, what I want to let the audience know, if you're unfamiliar with Black Mirror, one of the biggest comparisons it was given in the beginning, and I started watching it back when it was only being released in the UK, mm-hmm. before Netflix picked it up, was that it was the modern day Twilight. Zone. Correct, yeah. Um, that's very much what it is. It's talking about, te- it's very much about technology mm-hmm. uh, and our future, the the uh, the. Black Mirror title is literally what it looks like when you look into your phone without it turned on. Right, right. That's where that comes from. So the mm -hmm. idea is these stories are about future technology and how they can affect us. There's an episode where, you know, a bunch of people are sitting around a dinner table and everybody has access to, like, each other's memories and these, like, contacts Mm -hmm. and, like, what bad things can happen from that. Um, It's a fascinating show. It's someone that I highly recommend. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it was after season five... We did not know what was going to happen. Uh, I believe like was that said,
0: the Bendersnatch, the interactive one. That,
1: that was around that time, right? Okay. And so, 2019 is the last time they did Black Mirror. Now, if you follow the creators of Black Mirror, shortly after, I forget. I don't have to preface this. We're not a political podcast anymore, right? Because we are. Um, shortly after Trump got elected and shit started to go south, mm-hmm. the creators of Black Mirror came out and said. Yeah, so we're not gonna do another season because if you haven't noticed, the world is kind of fucked.
0: Yeah, we don't have any ideas that are scarier than what's happening right now, so I don't know how we make this show. Right. Yeah, and so and to be fair, like some of my favorite episodes of Black Mirror are the ones where the tone goes up at the end. Um, yeah, uh, the
1: San Junipero. San Junipero. If you've never um, seen Black Mirror and just want something happy. Sand Just
0: that one episode. I think it's like season two, maybe episode four yeah. or five. My memory is. I will cry. Me on I will that. laugh. It's so oh, good. Oh, yeah. There's also one where um, a group of two heterosexual males find out they can have sex in a video game and enjoy doing it there, but not in real life uh, through technology. It's fucking hilarious. It's a
1: really fascinating, like. Idea of being able to play with gender, yes, and it's, it's very much based on the fact that like one of them plays a female character mm-hmm. and they can mess around with the idea of gender and like they they are not physically attracted to each other in real life, but because yeah, they're at co- all. because they're close enough friends, mm-hmm. I can hear our friends making comparisons <laughs> to us right now. I
0: hear it. That <laughs> give, give give me a, a thing I can put in my ear that gives me like real time brain VR, and it, it you. Far, far from the worst thing that I would fuck.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that actor. I appreciate that about you. So, Black Mirror, a fantastic show. It is a, it is a very dark show. I highly do, I highly, highly recommend it. And I'm glad that it's coming back because at least that makes me feel a little bit comfortable about our
0: own future. Mm-hmm. At least the creators are like, well, it's not, it's not five years ago dark. Yeah. At least we can come back to this. Yeah. So, but honestly, I like this change. Um, it's not like it kind of wasn't that way anyway. I think we were getting like six episodes that were almost an hour and we'll probably end up getting like four episodes that are about an hour and a half yeah. for the length of an average episode of Sherlock. Yeah. You know, and that's cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so we've never done this
1: before on this show, but I, 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 I'm sorry. I had to do it this week. I have an entire section of my script in front of me right now that is just devoted to hot takes that we heard <laughs> online this week. Ooh. Yeah. Here we go. So here we go. First up, Netflix has updated their culture guidelines to let employees know they might be asked to work on content for their platform that might either they might either not agree with or perceive to be, quote, unquote, harmful in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And they said, and I will quote here, as employees... We support the principle that Netflix offers a diversity of stories, even if we find some titles counter to our own personal values. Mm-hmm. Depending on your role, you may need to work on titles you perceive to be harmful. If you find that is hard to support our content breadth, Netflix may not be the best place for you.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's... So let's boil this down. Yeah, it's hard to know the context and like exactly what we're. Because this is
1: two different messages. Yeah, I understand that in Hollywood and filming, Mm -hmm. subjects will be tackled that are difficult for some people. Of course, right? Mm -hmm. Some people don't want to watch The Hills Have Eyes because Mm -hmm. there's a rape scene in it and it's very violent and Mm -hmm. it makes. I watch a lot of horror and I'm I'm like I will not. I'm I'm sorry, Hills Have Eyes. Like I watched it once and went nope.
0: Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, Yeah. no thanks. I'm out. Mm -hmm.
1: And. I get that the, they will be – you're almost pro the fact they're saying we will make uncomfortable content. Mm-hmm. But at the same breath, they're all saying, like, if you can't deal with uncomfortable content, here's the front door.
0: Yeah. See, the thing is, like, there's so, they're- so, so much Netflix content. It feels like it wouldn't be that hard to play shuffle the grip. If one of them... That's
1: my point. Yeah. Thank you, Hector.
0: L- like, seriously, if, if someone's like, I'm going to be very uncomfortable for the next three months while we shoot this particular scene in this particular way, while I stand on the side and give notes, being re-traumatized. So please, can right. I go work on the game show with the uh, celebrity chefs? Please, right. God. Right. And, it's like, like it's not that hard to accommodate. And honestly, y- you should be real about it. If we're going to go from, like, a Hollywood studio standpoint, when you get hired to work on a project, you'll work on that project until you either it is done or you can, like, ethically or physically no longer work on this project. Mm-hmm. This comes in a lot of ways. We have had uh, people as high up as directors just take their name off of a project and say, no, nah, I'm out. Sorry. Bye. Right, Right. And that happens. And they can go and work on something else. Right. In Hollywood. Now, they do have to get rehired to do that. But if you're a company that, from the level down, is hiring employees while producing hundreds of projects at a time you that all require the exact same jobs, mm-hmm. you can move people around. It's right. not that hard. Exactly. And it's just... It, it, the
1: fact that it was so blatant and so just like here's the fucking door is Mm -hmm. what offended people this might
0: not be the place for you is an exclusion it's exclusionary rather than inclusionary it's basically employees if you don't like it get the fuck out that's basically what i hear instead of hey if you're not comfortable working on something we're working on we have a solution for that please stay and work at netflix
1: and this comes in on the heels, I didn't even put this in the notes because we talked about it previously, Mm -hmm. this comes in on the heels of Netflix already losing subscribers left and right. Their stock is starting to tank. Them coming out with a statement like this, right now people are in the mindset that we want to support workers. Yep. If we just told a bunch of workers if you're uncomfortable, go fuck yourself, the world has problems
0: with this. See, and this is like the third thing that's come out of Netflix in the it, it, i think this year that is just wildly and hilariously unpopular. The mm-hmm. things they know should be hilariously unpopular. It's starting to feel like they're doing it on purpose. It really is. Yeah, and I don't know if they're trying to tank their stock so they can buy it back. I don't know like what they're doing, but please just make good things and shut up uh, yeah. like uh, like come on
1: make good things and shut up is gonna be a theme of this episode by the yeah. way <laughs> welcome <laughs> to it all right our next hot take it, some people may not find this to be a hot take but was in my mind, very worthy of discussion. We have often talked on this show about how there are a lot of people that are high up in the industry of Hollywood who have had some really fucking shitty things to say about superhero films Yeah, that are just like, they're trash, they're not real
0: cinema. Right, it's Um, more like a roller coaster.
1: Yeah, so Elizabeth Olsen actually weighed in on the debate if superhero films are a lesser kind of art form, and instead of me breaking this whole thing down, I really this week wanted to let the Queen speak for herself Mm -hmm. if I could she would actually be here to say it I am going to go ahead and just quote her she said I am not saying that we are making indie art films but I just think that it takes away from our crew which bugs me these are some of the most amazing set designers, costume designers, camera operators. And I feel like diminishing them with that kind of criticism takes away from all the people who do award-winning films Mm -hmm. that also work on these projects, by the way. From an actor's point of view, I get it, whatever, I get it. I totally understand there's a different type of performance that's happening. But I do think throwing Marvel under the bus takes away from the hundreds of very talented crew people and that's where i get a bit feisty
0: about that yeah yeah no it's that couldn't agree more girl just fucking bravo bravo we have been
1: dealing with this fight on whether or not superhero films are art or they're not art or are they trash and and i'm so sick of it because i don't go to a marvel movie trying to go well yeah this is art by the (laughs) way yeah. Which I do absolutely. By the way, I'm in the camp. They are art. If cinema of course they if, are. cinema is art. Yeah. No matter what it is. I could grab a hand cam right now, the two of us, and we could do a thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's art. You know, that, that, yeah, that's it, the thing.
0: Like, like being able to manipulate digital film and people and sets and actors in such a way as to tell millions of people I can tell a, a compelling story about Iron Man is art. Tell me. <laughs> That that moment in Endgame
1: when Cap gets the hammer. Yeah. And you've seen the videos online. Yeah. That moment that mm-hmm. resonated with hundreds of thousands of millions of people. Yeah. That something that powerful isn't art. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It is a thing that took, you know. 20 movies to make and 12 years to make for this one thing to happen that was kind of hinted about in Civil War. Mm -hmm. But the payoff was that moment that had people literally on their feet and clapping. Yeah. And you were going to tell me that something that brilliant is an art?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, if I released an art project, and that's, I, I don't know if it's a series of paintings or a short essay or something like that, and I released two or three a year for about 10 years, and people had varying reactions to them, but all on the whole, they were very popular. Mm-hmm. And then for the 11th one that was a culmination of everything that I did before. I released something that made people get up and shout and scream and cheer that I could literally watch people react to relive the moment myself and weep about it years later. People would probably call that art at the end. Yeah. Yeah. People would probably be like, look at this fucking project this guy did. This is a brilliant work of absolute masterpiece. Wait, Thousands of people worked on it. That's an even bigger accomplishment. And
1: that's what Elizabeth Nelson's point is here, is that by saying that something is trash or not art or whatever takes away from – because everybody that makes this kind of comment thinks about it on the surface level, right? Mm -hmm. When you have people being like, oh, well, you know, it's just a popcorn movie and it's just like blah, 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 blah. Right. So you're thinking about what the moment to moment is. Mm-hmm. You are not thinking, wh- by the way, watch the credits of a Marvel movie. Oh yeah. You do because yep. you are waiting for the mid credits stuff. Yep. There's an entire 10 minute thing. You'll see in the credits to CG artists yep. to like, you know, I mean, all location,
0: scouting, grips, uh, costumes, um, hair, makeup, obviously. um, Assistance to everybody, people moving cameras, people moving people so that they can move cameras, Mm -hmm. people getting people to locations or just, yeah, people who are there to consult while they're filming the movie about what the CG looks like, will look like. In about 10 months. Yeah. You know, when they're done with it. So, it, yeah. I want to
1: take a moment, just to shout out, even though I've never met you, Marvel's craft services guy. I'm sure you Whoa. are whipping up amazing stuff for the cast.
0: I can't imagine the diversity <laughs> of, like, diets required for something like right? The Eternals. Right? Oh, my God. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. No, that must have been really that. cool.
1: Yeah. So, that's where we are on the our Marvel Films art debate, is if yeah. you didn't know.
0: Of course they are. And... Uh, it's easy to it's it's easy to you know punch up at the at the giant who doesn't even feel or see you, right. and sometimes it's very entertaining to watch. But realize that the person doing it is kind of a clown at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. And it's always
1: people like Ridley Scott. Who was like a, uh, what have you done for me lately kind of director? Right.
0: It, it's usually somebody who commanded this kind of attention in their day when it was a, a vastly fewer number of eyes looking at screens. Right. So they may feel a little inadequate, not to yeah. psychoanalyze any great filmmakers, but honestly, just be happy that people make movies and that right? movies have gotten as big as they are. I fucking love movies. I think to quote Patrick Williams, I think they're kind of a miracle. They but are. they happen at all and that they're so good. So yeah. Can we all just be happy for each other when we make, also movies? by
1: the way, if you're like really pretentious about this bullshit and whether or not superhero shows can be art, go watch Legion.
0: Yeah. It's on Honestly. Hulu.
1: Go fucking watch Legion because that show is art. Mm-hmm. Like that mwah, is art. Okay. That was a nice take. That was a nice hot take, but I'm glad that we had that discussion. Yeah. We do need to get back into not-so-great hot takes. All right. Hold on to your butts, as they said in Jurassic Park, because here we go. Both hands. PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan sent out an email last week asking employees to, quote, respect people's differences of opinion when it came to abortion rights. Quote, no, we owe it to each other and to PlayStation's millions of users mm. to respect differences of opinion amongst everyone in our internal and external communities. Respect does not equal agreement, but it is fundamental to who we are as a company and a valued global brand, end quote. Yeah. The CEO then went on in the same email to write five paragraphs about his two cats' first birthday, including (laughs) what kind of cakes they got, (laughs) and and then a mini rant at the end about having a desire to have a dog someday. I want to talk about this, but I got to keep going. Because of this, Insomniac Games, a Sony developer, pledged to donate fifty thousand dollars to the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project, which is a pro-choice organization. Sony itself pledged to match that contribution. Good. Holy
0: shit! Y'all. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a. That was a. So the CEO basically comes out and he's like they're verified people on both sides. On both sides of, of, of this is going on. Right. And I'm probably a whole lot of Sony PR people went, Oh my God! Stop it! What, why, why didn't you edit all of that out and just talk about your cats? You should have just talked right. about your cats. Everyone would have been like, look at our yeah, cute cool. CEO cool. and how obsessed he is with his cats. That's adorable. Cool. Good he, billionaire. He, he
1: has the desire to have a dog someday.
0: Yeah, no, it's good. Awesome. That's, you know, that's I bet fantastic. you he could probably just get one. Yeah, yeah. It seems pretty non-committal I would, to I me. I would
1: think that if you're a CEO, of part of a Sony corporation, you could probably deal with.
0: He could pay somebody a hundred grand a year to just raise yeah. a dog that loves yeah. him in his own home, yeah. and then just go home and at the maybe end of the not day.
1: talk about the fact that you're anti-abortion. Yeah, yeah, and all yeah. of that.
0: So yeah, I, it, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as odd that uh, Insomniac basically stood up for women. In general. Yeah. And then Sony was like, yeah, let's do... Yeah. They, they did a thing, we're doing it too.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah. us too, please. Yeah. And like I said, we don't have to say we're a politi- not a political podcast anymore. Right. like, You know what? We are pro-abortion here. Oh, yeah, we absolutely. We are pro-women 100%. having autonomy over their own body.
0: Yes. Bodily... I am pro all bodily autonomy. All. Oh, l- yes, like, yes, please. absolutely. And universal health care abortion as well as all health care should be free and on demand based on nothing but a decision between you and your doctor yeah period yeah your body's your fucking own absolutely fucking do it yeah if you want to have a bunch of kids great you want to have you want to give your kid up for adoption great you want to not have a pregnancy anymore fucking great fucking great
1: but if you're a ceo of fucking sony Maybe you not fucking talk yeah. about the fact that you're. Anti- you, you know what the CEO the way, of Jim 30- Ryan, <laughs> the most white dude of names, aside from the fact my name is James Smith. <laughs> I mean, maybe you shut your fucking mouth about what a woman should be doing. No, what a woman
0: should be doing with her body. No shit, right? You know what he should have said when someone asked him this question, mm-hmm. or he thought maybe I should <laughs> pontificate upon email. this issues. Do you know, I
1: work, for, I work for a major corporation that I will not name on air, but mm-hmm. I will tell you that every single one of our like higher ups mm-hmm. has executive assistants who tend to double check <laughs> by the way, most of them are women in the organization that I am in mm-hmm. like double check a person's email. That's of this magnitude before it gets sent out.
0: Yeah. I,
1: somebody needs to get the reins on this man.
0: No kidding. Somebody
1: he, needs to tap him on the shoulder and be like, excuse me, Jim Ryan, you fucking cishet. Motherfucker. Yeah. Like maybe well, you this, do me, not. Maybe
0: I bet I've made corrections to your email. I just, I took out this paragraph yeah. Yeah. Um, just just send the rest of it out. Yeah. Fucking trust me. Yeah. Please. For the love of God. Holy shit. I'm he sh- that, he I, should have said we're not a political podcast. He <laughs> that's what he said. should have said. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I love that it was Insomniac who stepped up first. If you don't oh, know, yeah. Insomniac is, I believe, currently, is, is now a Sony-owned Yes. Studio. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was not before, but it is now. Yes. And they were the first ones to go, uh, yeah, so yeah. the guy that owns this is wrong. Here's money, mm-hmm. and I and I'm not saying that money covers the issue. But what I'm saying is that it says it's a testament to the values of the people who work at Insomniac. And I really have been avoiding ever talking about Bungie and or Destiny on this show for a while. Mm-hmm. But it is important to know that Bungie, the creators of Destiny, um, were one of the first people when all this m- nastiness started coming out about the Supreme Court recently, mm-hmm. um, saying. By the way, no, we support women in our fucking company and go fuck yourselves if you want to take away their autonomy. Right. And very few game companies have done that right
0: now. Right. We're talking about the studio behind uh, stuff like Ratchet and Clank, which... uh... Uh, fantastic game. Uh, oh, it's the, right, Insomniac, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot of diversity there going on, but also the studio behind uh, Spider Man Miles Morales yep. most recently. Yeah, and if you play that game, they they fucking get the character. They yeah. they get what it's about, and they get you know the background and where he's coming from, and it, yeah. But it's Bungie and wonderful.
1: Insomniac are some of the only companies that have really come out and said, by the way, we support all women and their yes. right to choose.
0: Absolutely. And a lot
1: of game companies have been silent mm-hmm. and this is coming in on the heels of basically everybody anticipating every game studio changing their banners to, to be for pride month.
0: Oh, right. And being like, right.
1: So you guys want to go ahead and just put up a new rainbow flag for pride month, but nobody's going to say anything about women's bodies. Like yeah. this is a problem.
0: Yep. Yep. How Fuck. about, how about you? you maybe get maybe some-
1: you, maybe you speak up for women, mm-hmm. right? This is all fucked up.
0: Oh shit. I want to see some putsy hats on some CEOs, man. <laughs> like, straight up. All right.
1: It is close to the end of the news for the week, which could only mean one thing. Oh, no. I is- <laughs> love the reaction to that. <laughs> it is time for this week's edition of Blizzard. Are you okay?
0: Oh, man. Like... <sighs> There's got to be like a some, uh, what are they, the, the defibrillator pads? Yeah. This is like someone running up to you with defibrillator pads and being like, bro, are you okay? <laughs> like, you all right there? Okay. So,
1: I'm going to start with not yikes and mm-hmm. then ramp up to yikes. Okay. So, are you ready? Yeah, I'll all get right. my yikes face on. <laughs> the Overwatch League team, the New York Excelsior, put out a tweet this week making the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, an honorary member of the team. That's cute. Eric Adams responded to this news by saying, quote, I couldn't mash the send button fast enough. I may not be a gaming expert, but at least I'm not garbage like Hanzo. Proud to get in the game with at New York Excelsior. Let's hashtag get things done.
0: The mayor of New York. Yeah. Fucking shots fired A character at Hanzo. In Overwatch. Hey, like... I so, wonder so if he the, was confused. So for context for you, whoever crafted this for him was confused. The, for
1: context for this for you, those of you who don't play Overwatch, Hanzo is a character in Overwatch mm-hmm. who has a bow and arrow oh, yeah. and some standard
0: pe- DPS character.
1: Some people say that he's really good, some mm-hmm. people say he's kind of trash. Yeah. But we have the mayor of New York who came out with his hot take this week that mm-hmm. I'm happy to be part of the Overwatch League, at least I'm not trash like this character. Right. He's, this is a like polit- this is an American politician making a comment on a video game character and I'm
0: fucking here for it. Oh man. Okay, so so here's the th- here's why I think he's confused, right? <laughs> here's why I think the whole thing is confused. When you become a member of the New York Excelsior and someone asks you to do a soundbite, you might call a lot of things garbage. Mm-hmm. Your your nemesis team's defense or yeah. their, uh, their their favorite tank yeah. or something. You could call certain maps garbage. It's like, at least I'm not garbage like fucking uh, uh, Temple, of the the Temple of Anubis or, or Hanamura, you know? Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, to call a character in the game garbage rather than, like, an opponent just seems like he's attacking the game to me, <laughs> <laughs> which is, like, is like, shots fired at Blizzard? <laughs> right? It's like, weird. Like, yo, weird Blizzard, take. like, I may not be a pro gamer, but Hanzo is garbage. Y'all need to make <laughs> better characters. Right? Like, I like Hanzo. I feel bad for Hanzo. <laughs> I just...
1: I, one of the reasons I wanted to put this in the news this week because all the weird, the news this week was so weird, and mm-hmm. a lot of it, was, some of it was very dark, as we've talked about, yeah. And just seeing something like this brought a smile to my face because I was just like we really have a genuine ass politician who gave us a hot take about an overwatch character. Yep. Like this is the year of our Lord 2022. And this is where we <laughs> exist right now. There's
0: part of my brain that just envisions this man. Cause I've already seen pictures of him. I, I don't know what the mayor of New York looks like. Otherwise mm. I live in Texas, mm. but, um, I just imagine him like sitting down at the game and being like, hmm, something like 32 characters. I'm going to play each one. Mm. And he gets to Hanzo, and he's like, this is fucking garbage, man. <laughs> like, And then when they finally asked him to talk about being a member, he's like, Hanzo's fucking garbage. Right.
1: Oh, God. So, as we start to wrap up the news, as we are asking the question if Blizzard is okay, our last two bits of news go hand in hand. And wow, Activision Blizzard. Mm. Let's get into it. And, and I just need to, for our audience who's never watched this show live, I need you to understand that obviously we talk about the Overwatch League a lot. I have a secondary show that I do about the Overwatch League. I am literally in this moment sitting in a Secret Labs chair mm-hmm. that is Overwatch themed. Yep. So I have feelings about Overwatch, and obviously I have feelings about Activision Blizzard. So... I know that I say this on the show a lot, but I have to emphasize that I like to cite multiple sources when I get the news together. I really do hate, excuse me. I hate how a lot of sites just regurgitate rumors and speculation as headlines. And that's why I had to look really hard at this next bit of news that I'm about to tell you because it sounded like an April fool's joke to
0: me. Uh Oh,
1: on Activision Blizzard's blog. Let me say that one more time. On Activision Blizzard's actual blog, they posted this week screenshots of a new tool developed by King Globalization and MIT Game Labs that quote, create and monitor guidelines for character conception and creation, end quote. This tool takes a bunch of things into account, like a character's race, age, physical ability, socioeconomic background, and gender identity, and calculates how diverse the character is. It is literally translating how culturally diverse a character is to use as metrics. Take a second to take that in, y'all. Just, just take a second. Now, before we talk about it, before we go any further in this discussion, you could tell I'm riled up on this. I want to give you a quote from an Overwatch developer that hit immediately after this news came out.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right, Overwatch characters, by the way, were used in the screenshots of this yeah, horrid were. piece of software. Yeah, they were. This quote comes from Overwatch developer Melissa Kelly on Twitter. Please take this in. She says God, I swear our own company tries so hard to slaughter any goodwill the actual developers who make the game have built. Overwatch does not use this creepy dystopian chart. Our writers have eyes. The artists have eyes. Producers, directors, etc. As far as I know, also have eyes. You know what else also creates our diversity? The developers. We have people who work on the game from these cultures. That's it. That is literally it. If this creepy chart was made for the executive team to let us do our thing, that might track. End
0: quote. Roasted. So let's talk about it. Fucking roasted. I I don't know what to say, man. So, like, King, they're the people who did, like, Candy Crush, right? Also owned by Activision Blizzard. Yep. Also owned by Activision. And the MIT group. What can I say? Like, I'm fucking shaking right now. When I'm, I'm you so give engineers that program things a prompt, they'll usually feed in data and stuff will come out. Let's not forget how many like automated and um, how many automated systems they've created so far that showed like obscene levels of racial bias, even though it, it, it was it's supposed to be entirely neutral. Mm. Um, this is what happens when you try and solve a problem like this with math, because people aren't math. Right. The well, they, problem
1: that they're trying to answer for is how do we make more
0: diversity in games? Mm-hmm.
1: Therefore, add math.
0: Right. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a matrix or a chart or a flow chart like the one that they used to make sure puzzle games didn't become unsolvable because you picked up item A for puzzle B and area A for area B, and then now the game is locked, um, which is a problem Adventure Games solved years ago mm-hmm. by basically codifying how you design puzzles. Yeah, This is not that. You can't mix people like this with math and then decide... On how to create a character. That is not how the creative process works. That is, it, it's it's like you're trying to design a AI to spit out like racially diverse and interesting characters. But what you're gonna get is one of those websites that just creates a new human face. And like one out of every forty, it just creates a monster. But it's just gonna create a monster every time because it doesn't know what people like. Right. I, It seems misguided in in, in the fullest. And I'm not even talking about it from a race or diversity uh, perspective, because I don't—I think it all goes without saying. I think how insulting this is, uh, from my point of view, should definitely go without saying. Um, This is a gaffe, uh, like— I, the only way I can imagine this being worse is if the guy who said, don't y'all have phones dropped an N-bomb afterwards. Nice. Like, like it, it just, like, the, the shit doesn't make any sense to me from, like, a publicity standpoint. But from a pure, like, and I'm not a programmer, I'm not a developer, but from a pure creation standpoint, if you wanted to create a system to mix diverse characters out of things, you need things like, you don't need math. You need like backstory and you need things like diversity that affects other parts of a character's life. Like they're into a certain type of music because their parents are from this country and that country. You know, there's a lot of ways to do this that it require a lot of research and require a lot of work and that's not what these guys are doing and that's what makes it really insulting to me. Here's
1: the problem that is being whispered about Mm -hmm. after this chart came out that is probably the most insulting thing that nobody is talking about. Hmm. What they are doing is creating an algorithm to make their characters more diverse. Mm -hmm. And in the process of this, when you create something like that, you have to determine what is considered the baseline. Mm -hmm. And the baseline that nobody's talking about is that it is a white, straight male. Right. All of the diversity that comes from this chart is saying that the baseline for humanity is these three fucking factors. Mm-hmm.
0: Don't wanna, don't, you know, they really don't wanna be replaced. Exactly.
1: That's fucking horrific. Yeah. yeah. Everything about this thing. And I'm glad that the Overwatch developers have been speaking out and pushing against it. There are some brilliant um, YouTube essays about this that are out there right now, um, speaking to this topic more concise and more clearly than we are. One of the things they talk about in some of the videos that I've watched is that if you've ever played the game of Overwatch, I mean, aside from the fact that people are shooting each other, um, it's a very idealized version of the future, very original Gene Roddenberry. Mm Mm-hmm where people come from all sexual orientations, all racial backgrounds, and it's never really talked about. It's just accepted. And that's a big thing that I've always loved about Overwatch is just like in this future, even though we're all shooting each other, like it isn't about like race or or sex or any of that. It's just, we're on opposite sides of a faction doing a thing. Mm -hmm. And that's always been important to the story of Overwatch. There's a reason why the main character on the label, despite all the millions of games out there is like the first lesbian on the cover of a fucking game. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an, a universe where those things don't matter because we've accepted all those things. Right. And I'm glad that the developers came back and pushed back about this because when I saw, like I said, I looked at this, like, like somebody in our group chat sent this to me and I was like, Oh, this is like from the hard times or one of those par- oh, par- yeah. parody sites. Right. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. It's on their fucking blog.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They just went ahead and and told them so. They they, (laughs) They went ahead and made that shit public. They
1: said the thing out loud that everybody's just been saying in quiet now, and that's the fucking world we live in.
0: Yeah. Look, if you want. Hire diverse people. If you want diversity, seek diversity. Don't try and make math that creates diversity out of nothing. There's so much diversity in the world for you to go and look at, and you're very, very rich. Just go and do it. Yeah.
1: People want to tell their stories. Yeah. Just let them. That's it. God. Fucking news this week has been all over the place. <laughs> I told you it was a wild week. It's very rare that I get this worked up during the show, mm. but fuck, guys. Get it fucking right.
0: Get it. Just, just, just get your fucking shit together. Get your
1: fucking shit together. Put it in Here. a backpack if you gotta, and just carry it, but get get your shit
0: together. Get,
1: yes, please. That is everything we have for the news this week. Stick with us on the other side, things are going to get happier because we're going to be diving into Moon Knight in the Boss Room.
0: Boss Room.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the Boss Room, our main discussion for the week. Sometimes it's related to the news, sometimes not. This week, we're finally getting into Moon Knight, the series that just wrapped up its six-episode arc on Disney+. Plus. Now... There will be spoilers ahead. Mm-hmm. We are letting you know right now, it may not be crazy. But I'm, I'm
0: not sure how coherent any of our spoilers could even be, to be honest. I, that is true. Yeah. Right. So,
1: let's just dive right in. Yeah. Hector,
0: first opinions about
1: Moon Knight as a series. So, you, this is a character you are not familiar with that I'm yeah, familiar with. Yeah, the,
0: literally the first episode I saw of Moon Knight was the first Moon Knight content I experienced, right. like flat out. Everything else was word of mouth between and you and Tony and memes. Lots of memes. But, uh, yeah, so uh, impressions of the entire series. Oh, man. There's this thing that they're doing with Oscar Isaacs, who was mm. knocked it out of the park.
1: Polish Carried... Polish,
0: Carried this show. And the fun thing was, this is this was the real fun thing, is um while we were in the middle of watching the show, maybe around episode four or so, like between episode four and five, James and I sat down and watched Ex Machina for the first time for him. So he got to see like Oscar Isaacs doing even more mm-hmm. like over the course of the show. But I, yeah, Oscar Isaacs is gonna be the first thing I talk about. One because Good. he and like he plays two, two, three two to three characters in the show. Right. Kinda hard to like stickler for it there. And they are different fucking people. Mm-hmm. You can tell by the shape of his face when he's a different one. They don't change his clothes like like random well sometimes they do, but they don't just like randomly change his clothes when he's just in human form. Mm-hmm. It's just It's nuance and attenuation, and it it turns us all into face readers. That's how good he is at this. Mm -hmm. Letting this actor shine in this role was a brilliant decision. And I'll say that, and there's a lot of instances in this show, it being about a person wrestling with things in his own mind, Where Oscar Isaac's two personalities are interacting. They're touching each other. They're hugging each other. They're fighting each other. They're in the same room. They're interacting in a lot of really interesting ways. And it doesn't look bad. Mm. It doesn't look like just shot, reverse shot with someone in a wig. It looks correct. It looks like this is what you're seeing. It looks like Oscar Isaac has a twin. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's fucking awesome. His brother filled in for a lot of the shots, actually. Mm Um, that kind of gets me to my first point that I wanted to talk about in this and I know this is going to be a touchy subject for a lot of people and this is definitely not something that we can speak intelligently to Mm -hmm. but something that I pulled from just reading a lot of uh, stuff online Mm -hmm. Uh, not that Twitter or Tumblr is the best source for a lot of this sure but but reading about this one of the first questions that came up with with this show was the idea of representation Mm -hmm. and so before the show came out because if you don't know Moon Knight is a character who suffers from um Oh, Is it able, IDD? It's it's no it's no longer multiple personality disorder. Right. It's, it's uh, disassociative. DID. DID. Thank mm-hmm. you. That was it. Sorry, I want to do the the, the correct term. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because he has all these personalities, um, the the questions there were two big questions that were being asked mm-hmm. before the show started, which was, will we dive into his DID mm-hmm. and have that represented on screen in an ac- a medically accurate way? Mm-hmm. And the second one that nobody, that only a handful of people talked about is Moon Knight is very Jewish in the comics.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Will
1: we see that come into play? Yeah. And so we have representation on two fronts. Mm-hmm. Hector, how do you feel about this?
0: I feel like it went very, very well, honestly. Mm-hmm. I love that we're in Egypt by like episode three or four. Yeah. Uh, you know, about halfway, if not less than halfway through the show. We're in Egypt. We're experiencing the culture. We're, um, you know, getting what they're doing uh, in the area. And there's a lot of references to pyramids and art collectors in the area. Mm-hmm. They talk about, you know, the, you know, how much was stolen and, uh, you know, what they're trying to get back and things like that. There's a lot of history going on. Mm-hmm. In this area. Now, when I talk about Jewish representation, I'll just talk about a YouTuber we both like and follow. Uh, she's also on Nebula. Uh, Lady Knight the Brave, who has talked a lot about being Jewish and about good Jewish representation. Yep. And instead of uh, from an atheist with a Christian background talking about it, I'll just quote her in saying that like, there's a scene in the show where they're actually uh, sitting Shiva uh, for um, a past relative, and that the representation there of just people, like, being Jewish on screen is almost never seen. And that she she really thought the representation was pretty good and pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's more than just him wearing the Star of David on his neck and, like, wearing... Spinning uh, a dreidel. And- spinning a dreidel and, like, wearing the hat. Yeah. I, I'm so sorry. I don't know what it's called. It's just not my realm. Younger. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but, yeah. So... Uh, I, I think it was probably very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um as far as representation goes. I mean Oscar Isaacs is literally always a win no matter what he's in. Yeah. And um from what I understand, he had some input on the representation in the show as well. Right. And that seems to have gone very much in the show's favor. Yeah.
1: It's 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 hard to talk about, but but Moon Knight is a very heavy show. And it's and so I'm glad that you had a very positive opinion of it. Um, because I come from a different world than you. Mm. I was a person who um, for those of you who don't know, growing up, I was really—I obs- I read a lot of comics growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, things like the Infinity Gauntlet were a big thing for me. Um, but a, but part of my growing up and in, in loving comics is—and I swear this is going to come out sounding so hipstery—a um, lot of the characters that I loved were not. They they weren't the A tier characters, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Superman or Batman, which were, were great. But like, I liked Hawkeye as a character. Yeah, I liked Moon Knight as a character. And when I talk about Moon Knight, I don't talk about two thousand, the year two thousand plus Moon Knight. I mean, the guy who was in Werewolf by Night, mm. who was literally Mark Spector, the assassin for hire. the 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 Moon Knight that we know now is not the same one from the sixties. This is one that was given to somebody in the early two thousands. And they said, what can you do with this character? Nobody cares about. And they mm-hmm. took such care to make something amazing with him. Mm-hmm. Somebody who is just a mercenary for hire and gave him multiple personalities or a DID. And, uh, and I'm sorry, I want to apologize in advance. I'm going to, to mix those up a lot. And just because I'm in free flow of thought, i I do not mean to be insulting. Um, that all, has these personalities that all do different things. um, there's so much to Moon Knight that has been crafted over the last literal twenty years. Yeah, and seeing how that was represented on screen, down to the stupid shit like having a cape that looks like a fucking moon when he pulls, yeah. it, pulls it out. All of that pulled to my childhood heartstrings, and I love to see it. I just adore these B, you know, ish characters. And seeing them being given the the attention and love they deserve,
0: I have to say to my my Virgin Moon Knight eyes, the yeah. the uh, uh, the character over the course of the show has a minimum of three different costumes, yeah, and they are all incredibly iconic. So can I can I, tell, can I can I
1: tell you something about this? Mm-hmm. Now you know about Moon Knight, you know his background, you know it all takes place in Egypt, and all these things. Mm-hmm. And I and I might be wrong, internet nerds. Please don't call me out for this. I'm going to tell you on a secret right now. I don't think there's a version of Moon Knight that exists where he has mummy wrapped
0: armor. Oh, okay. So, so this is unique to the show. This is unique to the show to me. Wow.
1: And it just makes the most sense. It
0: does. And it's really good. Like I said, instantly iconic along yeah. with all of the other costumes that he wore yeah they all looked really fucking cool mm-hmm. and they all looked appropriate and it was all you could tell done with cg in the same way that like iron man's costume is done with cg yeah. but that allowed it to look interesting but to do things like you know when he jumps out over the moon and the camera follows him into the silhouette his cape he forms the shape yeah. of a crescent and yeah. you're like whoa that's dope. And it is, it is dope when you're watching it. It, It's awesome. It's very well There was this
1: interesting, uh, interesting discussion online, which Mm -hmm. I had kind of given you privy to as, as somebody who follows Moon Knight. And I was trying to Mm -hmm. try and break things down for you while we were going through it. Um, Hopefully not in a condescending way. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, the, the character of Mr. Knight, Mr. Knight is the one in the suit. Right. Right. That is a product of, some writers that we don't talk about because they've done bad things, Mm -hmm. but it is a very important arc to Moon Knight. And there was a fan criticism at the very beginning where when Mr. Knight came out for the first time, which is the suit, the tie, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. they said, Oh, not my Moon Knight, because Mr. Knight in the comics Mm -hmm. is written as very intelligent. He is a detective. He's very thoughtful. He is not fist forward. Uh He is more Mm -hmm. Batman-y in a way. But he always wears the suit. He's very elegant and he figures out problems before using fists. Mm-hmm. And of course, the first scene you see of Mr. Knight is he falls down. Yeah. He, he, he lands. He did, a little he, he, he did a superhero pose and then he yeah. falls over. Yeah. And everybody was like, all right, now you fucked up the character of Mr. Knight. That kind of pissed me off. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, but when you get to the end of Moon Knight and you understand, like, you know, the journey of the different parts of Moon Knight, right. Mr. Knight does become. That person. Oh yeah, he has a whole character. The 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 whole thing where where we have the two sides of you know Stephen Grant Mm -hmm. going like oh if he can do it I obviously can do it too. Mm -hmm. That's a moment of realization. Right, it's almost like
0: an origin story in a character that already exists, and and that's what the great thing about this show has been. As you wake up with a character, as you start the show with a character who is just now discovering he has some kind of superpower. Right. But he's had this power for a long time. Yeah. And maybe for a lot longer than even his other personality knows about. Right. And th- there is so much there that is interesting. But the fact that the Mr. Knight character, one in the suit, goes from, like, falling over and, like, having the suit basically protect him from a mugging mm-hmm. to, like, fully kicking ass in the last episode. It's yeah. just, th- like, that's an arc. That's a yeah. good arc.
1: It is an excellent arc. And so, yeah, like, the different personalities that, you know, Stephen Grant uh, obviously is, is a fan favorite. That was mm-hmm. the, you know, our meek and, like, very, like, and I, I, it's one of the things I want to point out here is somebody who has not read mm-hmm. you have Red Moon Knight. Um, Stephen Grant has never been in the comics the main personality of Moon Knight. Mark Spector has always been the main personality. The ass-kicking one. Yeah, he has always been the one. Mm -hmm. Um, That Yes, he is damaged from the... Typically when it's told in the stories, it's because the damage that's been done um, through being a mercenary is kind of broken. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of PTSD. Um, But I like the the way that they went in the show about it, um, about it being as... Brother and you know again doing that Judaism tie-in and God fuck man like the more I talk about this show I <laughs> it just was, it was really good like, man. it's a show that I had low expectations for because yeah. I love the character a lot but like it okay so I'm gonna get personal for a minute mm-hmm. sorry sorry audience it, I, I've talked about this in the past mm-hmm. where I was obsessed with the infinity gauntlet growing up and I was obsessed with Thanos as a character and I love the fact that he was Bronze, but brain, and um, you know, he was always a fascinating character to me. That he lived between these worlds. Yeah. So, um, and and like I've said before, there was a part of me that said, "Yeah, I'm so happy that Marvel's doing movies. They'll probably never make a movie out of my favorite villain because he's too complex to be on the big screen."
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And and maybe that was young, innocent me that didn't think that we could have a very and to be fair, for the first half of Marvel's movies, their their villains were not complex. Yeah,
0: and and also to be fair, like, we grew up in a time where we saw the very real limitations of filmmaking, and yeah. those have definitely gone away over the course yeah. of our lifetimes.
1: But the fact that when we talk about Infinity War as a movie, the first, we talk about, right, it's the Infinity War and then it's Endgame. Right. And if you go back and ask anybody, is Infinity War a Avengers movie? almost everybody will universally say no. Mm-hmm. They'll say, it's a Thanos movie. Yeah, It is his story to tell. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was given that much love and care and trusted the audience was saying, we want you to invest in this villain before we do something to him. Mm-hmm. This all kind of comes back to Moon Knight where it's this character that I just, again, there was a part of my brain that went, I just don't know. Like, I want it to be good. Like, the little kid meme wants it to be good. But I just don't know if you're... if. The audience is ready for this, and and that's a a dumb thought, but um, like Mark Spector is a complex character. He has multiple personalities. He's Jewish. Like he's dealing with a lot of fucked up things in his life, mm-hmm. and like you and I both love Legion. We already talked about oh, Legion God, on the show, yeah. which is a character who mm-hmm. also suffers from DID. Yep. And his DID means that he could actually literally clone other.
0: <laughs> yeah. His D and D is his DID. Sorry. Is compounded by uh, being the son of Charles Xavier and whatever the fuck that comes with. Right. Yeah.
1: And so, yes, there are people that like Legion, but I feel like it's very niche. And I was like, God, I don't want Moon Knight to be niche. I want people to watch Moon Knight and see in Mark Spector and Stephen Grant, the hero that I loved. There was a B-list character that nobody oh, yeah. but people like fucking Warren Ellis decided to write a really brilliant story about. Yeah. And that was so important to me to see. And I loved every minute, to be perfectly honest. And I will say right now, as we talk about Moon Knight, I'm biased. Because I was a, I was a Moon Knight stan mm-hmm. when I was a kid.
0: Yeah. And I'll say, as someone who was absolutely not and only heard of Moon Knight a few weeks after I started doing this podcast, I really, really want some to announce another season. Yeah. Like, I, I need more of this show. This was a great character. This is
1: kind of jumping the shark, but one of the things that we said when this series wrapped up was mm-hmm. us going outside and talking about it, and both of us had the opinion that the best thing that a show can do is leave you wanting more. Oh, and yeah. I feel like we were both there.
0: Oh, yeah. I absolutely wanted more. I... You know, it, it didn't, and it's not like it didn't feel like an ending. It definitely did, but it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like an ending that like wrapped it up and me being like, okay, I'm good. I'm done with this character. No, I need more. Yeah. I, I want, I, I want to see this more. I would. I'm not sure I would love to see this character interact with other, uh, even like uh, Disney Plus series Marvel heroes, but it would be really interesting. That
1: kind of brings me to the next thing I wanted us to talk about is Mm. Moon Knight as a show does not feel like it is a show shackled by the MCU.
0: Agreed. Agreed. We barely
1: reference the MCU in it. Yeah,
0: here and there we acknowledge it exists, but it's not... I mean, the show starts in the UK and ends in Egypt, so like, there's not... We're we're not affected. We're outside of the New York of, of it all. Right. And, you know, we don't go to any of the special places that are only named in Marvel universes. Not big cities. You know, we're, we're never in New York. You know, we don't run into Jessica Jones. We're just we don't talk we're not. Nope. We talk about the blip. We're just out living our own lives. No. You know, doing our thing.
1: Do you think that that is a pro or con for the show?
0: Um, I think it is different for every single show. I don't think every show needs to mention it, and I think this show is a great example of that. Because some shows, it feels like they're trying so hard to throw it in, so you remember, because they based a plot point on it. Right. None of the plot points in this were based on that. I, just based on what I've seen of the show, doubt the ability of Moon Knight to blip. Like, (laughs) I'm not sure it works that way, because I don't think all of them would have blipped together. It's just mathematically not right. So, yeah.
1: yeah. This is a show that, yes, we always kind of joke, passingly, that every Marvel show or movie has to end with a big CG fight scene. Mm
0: -hmm. This ended with a kaiju fight. Yes, it did. And you know what, Marvel, that you could honestly do more kaiju fights. Right? That was fantastic. (laughs) Yep.
1: One of the things I really loved about the show and I was this is one of the things I was worried about was the way that Kanshu was represented because Kanshu is kind of this this spirit of chaos mm-hmm. and sometimes he's reasonable and sometimes he's a little off in like a kind of a Deadpool way mm-hmm. And in the first moments that we got to see Kanshu mm-hmm. we got to see all of that. Yeah. We got to see Moon Knight do a thing and then Kanshu shows up and he's immediately like just snap his neck, Mark. Yeah. Just to fucking break his neck. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You can't <laughs> say that on TV. And yeah. Maybe don't but- no
0: murder people. <laughs> I mean, that's also good advice.
1: Right. And that was fantastic. We all knew from episode like three or four going forward that mm-hmm. the third personality, Jake, was going to happen at some point. Oh yeah. But they really saved that to the end, and that was beautiful. Like they gave us all the hints. It's the most obvious hints in the world. Like yeah. There's, they a gave us a, there's a third one. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, like, they,
0: they keep trying to be like, wait, wait, which one of us did this? And it's like, right. Oh, Oh no. Oh, this might be bad. <laughs> right.
1: Like it, it's not like it's a hidden thing. There's a third personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so but it was kind of fun they saved it to the end as a post credit scene because mm-hmm. at least it's like all of us pointing at the screen and being like, yeah, I totally called that, even though it's very fucking obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, all the supporting cast of it was fantastic. Um, one of the questions I actually had for you, Hector, is do you think Moon Knight would have been better if it wasn't a Disney Plus show?
0: No. Like um, if they
1: really could revel in the
0: violence a little bit? No, absolutely not. Look, there's, And this is the reason that I was so on board when Disney bought Marvel. Mm. There is a minimum level of quality to anything Disney directly puts their name on. Mm. It's always at least good. Mm. Usually it's at least a little thoughtful, if not overly thoughtful. Sometimes they really knock it out of the park, you know, with stuff like uh, Moana or Coco or... Um, Most recent one, in Canto, You know, that stuff, obviously, I'm very biased. (laughs) Right. But but with stuff like that, yeah, there's always a level of quality to what they're doing. There's a level of thoughtfulness. They are conscious of how they are displaying themselves to the world when they make a show. They do not want to embarrass themselves. They don't want to embarrass the mouse. They want to make something of quality, and they hire experts, and they do something good. I do not trust anyone else to do something like this like we could have this could have been netflix's yeah this could have this could have easily have been um what am i what am i thinking of the 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 white boy kung fu artist this could have been iron fist Fist. this could have been swamp thing this could have been um Gotham Knights. Like, you know, (laughs) this could be... This could have been truly bad. This could have been offensive. And instead, we got A-plus actors doing A-plus material. Um in a show that obviously had a lot of care put into it and a lot of love. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm not concerned that nobody, you know, had their neck sliced open or their head mm-hmm. crushed. I have lots of stuff to watch for that. Also bring back Trashy TV. Not Disney specifically, don't know. Mm-hmm. But did somebody bring back Trashy TV? I miss Spartacus, I miss True Blood. God, I miss Spartacus. Somebody give me that again. I yeah. need that in my life.
1: Uh, I want to uh, I know that I'm side tangenting here real quick. It's a I little know, of my fault. For, for, for our audience, by the way and this has nothing to do with moon Knight. i know that you were here a couple weeks ago when we were talking about watching the northmen mm-hmm. um we in fact did watch the northmen we did and we looked a lot for cg penises all, the- all I,
0: I, I i don't remember
1: the movie we were very disappointed because we did not see a single CG penis. the only thing
0: i remember at the movie is there were no cg penises <laughs> yeah i was very upset about that no honestly it all was right. a great movie it so back,
1: great. back back to moon Knight. yeah um Were there any downsides to you?
0: Um, Okay, so I I, I agree and I don't agree. Um, There have been people who point out that because the same branch of ILM is working on three movies and like eight shows a year, Mm -hmm. that the CG has started to get a little rushed. Right. There were some moments in this show where some of the special effects looked like they could have used more time in the oven. And it happens mostly when you take an action shot and slow it down and you can tell like the shapes don't exactly match out Mm. and the cloth physics look a little funny. And I invite everyone to go back to go and watch Iron Man 2. Right. But um, so and this is true. And this just means that ILM needs to hire more people and pay them an even better wage. Yeah. And um, then they should unionize and rule the world of uh, CG in movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- there were moments here and there that felt like they were being a little rushed, especially towards the end of the season. There was part, the, the first like 15 minutes of the last episode, I felt like, man, we're really wrapping this up. But then it gave way to the like the last 45 minutes of the last episode, which were so awesome and satisfying mm-hmm. that I just completely forgot what I was thinking about the episode uh, when it started. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not saying it needed more episodes. Maybe it could have used more time in the episodes. You know, maybe don't be afraid to go BBC length now and then if you need to. HBO right. isn't afraid to. And I know you're trying to keep like a tight like 45 to 50 minutes, but maybe some of them deserve an hour and 10. Maybe yeah. some of them deserve an hour and a half if it's a finale. But yeah. it doesn't have to be expected. And don't be afraid to delay a show until the CG looks good, I mm-hmm. guess. And I know that's probably not how it works, that there's always a deadline. But, you know, set better deadlines.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah,
0: I, I have zero problem with anything that I saw, like writing-wise or story-wise. It was cool. It was sometimes cheesy. It was often confusing, but in the kind of show that's about DID sort of way, yeah. when I think back to Legion, and when I think back to like Fight Club, the first time you watch it, mm-hmm. it's fucking confusing. Yeah. And then after that, you're like, whoa.
1: So I want to go through a couple of casting choices real quick, okay. because we are specifically talking about things that we don't like. Um, I, I promise you I'm not saying I dislike all these things. I'm just mm-hmm. going to give you some opinions, because my dislike is at the end of this. Okay. So we had... uh. May uh, Calamay um, is uh, Layla mm-hmm. uh, slash Scarlet Scarab. Absolutely fantastic! Oh, what a performance! So holy so fucking good. shit! Yeah, probably kicked more ass than Moon Knight did. Oh yeah, put her think. in
0: all the more things. But put
1: him on all the things. Um, we had. Uh, F. Murray Abram is Khonshu. Holy fucking shit. Now that's a voice. Read read me to sleep, Mm -hmm. please.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone familiar with that voice will know it right away.
1: So that kind of brings me around to the elephant in the room. Ethan Hawke is Arthur Harrow. Now, Ethan Hawke gave us a brilliant performance. Okay. Arthur Harrow, Fantastic. There were points where I, I felt like I wanted more mm-hmm. from Arthur. The
0: character was really stoic, you know. I, I feel like as a villain, as, as writing wise, like as a villain, we needed more pathos. I don't know. Yeah. Like the the guy was obviously used to be, uh, you know, Conchu's uh, uh, avatar. avatar. Yeah. yeah. And got out of the game and obviously just wanted nothing but revenge and scorched earth and like for everyone to be perfect because that would really show Khonshu. Yeah. He was very upset with this bird god for one reason or another. Yeah. And I think in order to really understand what he was doing, we needed to see some of that mm-hmm. or why or what he put him through. He was obviously putting it was Mark was more just shit. like, hey,
1: fuck you. You were mean to me that one time, bro. Yeah,
0: you were. No, but th- this is the thing for the villain and this is why I agree with you on this. He was so upset with Conchu, he was willing to, for all intents and purposes, kill most of the planet. Like, right. not even Thanos is half. It was just like anyone who's been bad's gonna die, right? Because Konshu was mean to me, and I know he's right. a god and he has incredible capacity for cruelty, but like, dude, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's hard to understand a villain like that's motivation without the Thanos of it all, without Thank all of you. the past There you go. Right? Yeah.
1: We should have had at least dedicated a little bit of time to mm-hmm. his backstory. And again, that's kind of the Marvel problem of it all that Marvel's been fixing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes villains kind of get push to the side yeah. a little
0: bit. And maybe Marvel needs to keep a closer eye on that because they do keep making these big, awesome stories that we all come together and really love, but they forget that the weakness of Marvel storytelling has always been their villains. And
1: you know what's really... Oh, I've always found interesting side tangent, sorry, mm-hmm. is that there are so many people who come to Marvel, whether it be comics, movies, etc., and they come for the heroes.
0: But if I say DC Comics... Always you know, most, the villains. Most people think of the villains. yeah. I can describe Batman and I can describe Superman in like a paragraph. Mm -hmm. It would take me volumes to even explain to somebody why the Joker does anything. I'm going to date myself here.
1: There was this old show back in the day called Name That Tune. Mm -hmm. And like the premise of it is like you could say like I will name a song based on a certain number of musical notes. Mm -hmm. I feel like Batman and Superman and some of the DC heroes really Mm -hmm. fall into Name That Tune. I can do that in three notes. Oh, yeah. Whereas you said like a DC villain. You're like, I need the entire song. I, I did hear the whole thing. Yeah. And it's kind of reversed for Marvel in that yeah. capacity. And there are brilliant, amazing Marvel villains. Obviously I have been like choking on Thanos' dick this entire episode, mm-hmm. but those are the rare, not the main...
0: I don't know. It, it, it's, the, it's the exception, not the yeah, rule. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah for, for there to be a really good villain. villain. And yeah. uh, Ethan Hawke did a lot with what he was given. He, he can
1: fucking carry a scene.
0: Oh, man. absolutely he can. He's an absolutely wonderful actor. Yeah. And he loves doing shit like this. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe me, go back and watch Valerian and uh, the, 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 the Ship of a Thousand Planets. Something like that.
1: You want to watch some fucking good Ethan Hawke, and I'm, I'm going to fucking... I'm sorry, a lot of people aren't going to like this. Watch the Bef- the before series oh. or the before movies. So before mm. sunrise, before sunset, um, they are deeply intimate, and they are mm-hmm. films that were actually filmed in in the story like years apart. Like mm-hmm. the main characters met at a certain point in time, they actually took that number of years off filmed the second one and they picked up as if the characters were just meeting oh, a yeah. number of years later. Mm-hmm. Um, very fascinating. Ethan Hawke knows how to carry a fucking scene. Oh yeah.
0: And and you could tell he was doing as much as he could with what he was. Doing. Oh yeah. Every scene, and he did a pretty good job.
1: Oh, absolutely. Every time I feel like he was just done a little bit dirty. Cause yeah, I was like, yeah, gonna... we need to fucking like step up his, his anger. Let's get, let's and get into this. Stuff. I'm going to
0: mention this again when in a week or two, we talk about Dr. Strange. Mm. Okay. This Not Ethan Hawke, but specifically this thing. Right. Good to know. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's time
1: to wrap this whole thing up. We've been talking a lot about it. What were your final impressions of Moon Knight? What did you think as somebody who's never been a Moon Knight? Yeah. What, what is the simp for that? I don't know. Yeah. Mo- <laughs> Moon Knighties? I don't a, know. Moonie? No, 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 no. <laughs>
0: not one of those. Um. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the best praise I can give it, like we said when we finished the show, is that I just want more. Yeah. I do want more. I want more of this for Oscar Isaacs because he was wonderful. Not that he isn't wonderful in anything and not that he's not busy, but this is good. This is good, Oscar Isaac. I like it. Um, I want more of all of the other actors. I I want more of this world. You know, and I want to see what happens to Steven. You know, yeah. Mark Mark is fine. He can live his life. <laughs> You're all right, Mark. Yeah, he's doing okay. He can take care of himself. But yeah. I want to see what happens to Steven. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a testament to all of this. And earlier, I, I want to point out um, one thing that I said earlier when I talked about some of the CG not looking right sometimes. That is what I was saying. Not that the CG was all bad. Some of it was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in the movie where there is a just bleach white hospital corridor that's supposed to be like a mental institution and a door opens and an eight foot tall hippo headed woman walks in and speaks in like a 20 something maybe 100 pound woman's voice Mm -hmm. and it is uncanny and it is amazing and it looks good. Mm-hmm. It, like like she is in enough exposed a, that, that light. That was Towerette. Towerette, yes. Yeah. So she is in enough exposed light not to be able to hide anything. And the CG is genuinely excellent. Mm-hmm. And the, the mouth movements and the personality that comes through and the way the character moves, this is the type of the thing I expect from AAA movies, from James Cameron movies, even. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, this was good. Yeah. So uh yeah, more of that, more of that imagination. Yeah. Is, is what I want, you know more more giant gods with, um you know, uh you know river valley animal heads yeah yeah it's
1: gonna be fantastic. I adored everything about this show. Again, I am biased. I am saying that multiple times. I am so biased. Mm-hmm. But Stephen Grant on screen being the main character such a bold choice because Mark Specter would be, would have been the go to for it. Um, the times where they cried together, where they this whole relationship between Mark and Stephen and. Mm-hmm. God, it was powerful and sad. And when you go back and you think about it, it's literally a person just dealing with their own demons.
0: Yeah. and Processing their trauma.
1: Wow. Like the fact you had the ability to, knowing that you had multiple personalities and you could free yourself of them, and you said that if I freed myself of them, I am not whole. I will go back and save that person because without them, I'm not me. Mm -hmm. The message of that, saying that, the thing that is your flaw mm-hmm. i will keep close to myself because without it i am not me mm-hmm. is such a fucking powerful message
0: it is i mean yeah the the contribution of anything and i don't mean to bring such an excellent point back to a video game i've been playing but it honestly just reminded me of rogue legacy 2 mm-hmm. about how everyone's faults that you what you might consider fault can sometimes be their strength But what it definitely means, what it definitely doesn't mean is that they can't contribute because of them. They definitely have the things that they are good at, and they definitely have a place to contribute. And we should accept and embrace that because it will make us all better. Yeah.
1: I loved it. Mm -hmm. That's my final thoughts. I loved it. I want more of it. Here we are. That is everything we have for the show this week. Don't forget that you can head over to patreon.com slash gnggcast to become a patron of our show. You can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast, where you can chat with us as well. And uh, if you're ever looking to talk to me, I'm on Twitter all the time, which is probably unhealthy, (laughs) at gnggcast on Twitter. Until next time, for Hector, this is James.
0: And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, good night. And good game.